0: Each one of you uh, tonight, is this on? Can you all hear me? Is it okay? All right, good deal. Joshua chapter 7 is where we are. Joshua chapter 7. And uh, glad spring break is over and things are back to normal. Kids running wild out there ever which way. Uh, whatever you do, don't step in front of one of them. Because uh, it could be the last day here on this earth for you. I hope you're praying about the upcoming days. (laughs) Uh, What we're going to be doing, uh, churches just don't do very well. But I've got confidence that you guys are going to just blow it through with just no problems whatsoever. Uh, But uh, there are going to be some real transitions uh, in these few days ahead. Uh, April the 11th, uh, is the last Wednesday night supper that we'll be having until the end of summer. We'll crank up again at the end of summer. Uh, and, and that still could be negotiable uh, uh, because everything we do here is negotiable. Uh, but uh, uh, we have to prepare rooms uh, starting next week. Our offices are going to be... Uh, Uh, moved in different places and the ladies Sunday school class is over here in the fellowship hall and the men's class is going to be moved down here behind the worship center. You're going to get all new rooms there and everything's going to be great for y'all. And then our nursery preschoolers are going to be going in those four rooms uh, in the fellowship hall. The parlor, we're going to have to store everything and it's going to become the nursery for the next six months, eight months, however long. It takes, and uh, it's just going to be a wild thing. Uh, the state lady was here today. We have to use the chapel uh, for uh, a preschool class uh, during the week, uh, but uh, it, it will be converted over to a Sunday school class on Sunday. Same thing happens in the fellowship hall. So there's a lot of different moving pieces, but I know that uh, as good as y'all are and kind as y'all are, It's going to cruise through with no problems whatsoever. Uh, But uh, just know that uh, we're we're doing everything we can to keep the confusion and to keep things down to a bare minimum. Uh, But there are some transition things that we're going to have to go through. Uh, Joshua chapter 7, just to kind of begin reading, the children of Israel uh, committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And uh, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside uh, Bethlehem, on the east of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. The men went up, viewed Ai, And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai and make not all the people to labor there, for they are but few. So there went up there the people, about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty-six men, for they chased them from before the gate even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, and wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Joshua rent his clothes. Now he's not renting a tuxedo there. That word rent there means he tore his clothes, all right? And uh, and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, and he and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore? Hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us in the hands of the Amorites and to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? The Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, and they shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore lies thou upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they've transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they've even taken of the accursed thing, and have stolen, and dissembled also, and they put it even among their own stuff. Now, I don't know when all of this took place and how it happened, but You remember Sunday morning we were talking about in in Joshua chapter 6 that God warned them. He came and warned Joshua, and Joshua warned the people. And he told the people, he said, the reason I'm warning you is because you're just like me. And uh, God has said, stay away from this accursed thing. All of this gold and silver and all of that stuff, we're going to gather it up. There's a ban on the city and usually the people who went to war got to keep whatever the spoils were. But Joshua uh, had a ban, God had a ban through Joshua on the city of Jericho. Now, we talked about that Sunday morning. I think you know, the reason that happened is is, uh, because God always takes the first fruits. There was one tree in the garden, they could eat of every other tree except one tree. And uh, Jericho was the first city in the Promised Land, I believe that was represented, the fact that God not only owned the 10%, but God owned everything. And so he said, do not, do not take anything. He said, don't even go close to it. Don't be looking at it, because you're just like me. Could I tell you tonight, the only difference between you and the biggest bum in this whole city is the grace of God. You may think, oh, I've grown enough where I'll... I don't have to read my Bible. You don't ever grow enough where you don't have to read your Bible. I'm old enough now. I don't need to pray anymore. I just walk around praying. You don't ever get too old to pray. I don't know when, but I can imagine this guy, as he's looking there, he's maybe through the rubble, uh, and he sees a Babylonian garment there and uh, some gold and some silver. He manages to pick it up, hide it, Take it back to his tent. You know what's amazing to me is the stuff he stole. He couldn't even enjoy. He had to hide it, hid it under the tent, hid it under his tent. Now we, we haven't read all this, but the, uh, but the the children of Israel, uh, I, I think probably sometime at night or whenever. But they're back here at night, and God gives them another chance. I think God says, "There's sin in the camp. Get up. There's no need of praying." Uh, And let me just get on with my notes. I'm going to get so far ahead of myself uh, that I I don't even know where I am. Uh, Three things here that that, uh, will lead us from victory all the way down to defeat. And not only any victory. You remember Sunday morning, I cautioned you that there are some things that are detrimental even if we're in victory. We have to be careful when we're walking in victory. Because if we're not careful, we'll begin to think, number one that we are somebody. We have done a great work for God. I hear that around here all the time. We haven't done anything. God has blessed us. God's done the work. I want to tell you, the moment that you think that you're smart enough to pull off what's going on around here, I'm telling you, that's when God can say no more. So we have to be careful when we're walking in victory because if we're not careful, we begin to think we're the ones that have done it. The second thing about walking in victory is we have to be careful because if we're not careful, we'll think even though God did it, God did it for us. Isn't that wonderful that God has blessed Woodland Hills Baptist Church for us? That's so, God's so wonderful and he's so good. And I'm telling you, God hasn't blessed Woodland Hills for us. He's blessed it for the glory of God. And we never must forget that God gets the glory for everything. So you have to be careful now. How do you go from a glorious victory all the way down to man, just a I don't know, shameful, agonizing uh, defeat? Well, there there are three things there. First of all, the power of secret sin. See, uh, sin has a power, a dark power, a devilish power. Uh, secret sin brings defeat. The first thing sin does in the life of the church. In the life of a preacher, in the life of an individual Christian, it brings them defeat. Israel had just won a mighty battle at Jericho, and yet in the very next battle there, something had taken place in Jericho that only God could do. There's no way those Israelites were going to scale those walls. That first wall 20 foot high, 6 foot deep, that 15 foot in between, another wall 30 foot high and 12 foot deep, in between there, there's no way you're going to get on those walls. You're not going to get through it. God's the one that did it. So how do you go from a place where you're praising God for what he's done down to a place where you absolutely are getting the living daylights beat out of you uh, by some little inferior uh, bunch of uh, men at Ai? Uh, the, The city here, it's a weak city. It's insignificant city. Uh, so he gets his generals together, and he said, hey, we took this mighty city over here at Jericho. No need of all of us going up there. Y'all scout it out and see how many, and they come back and say, well, you know, two or 3,000 is all we need. I mean, they're weak. There's no problem. We'll go on up there and just take care of them. And, uh, and so that's what they do. But the only problem is the people at Ai give a much bit- bigger battle than the people at Jericho did. Jericho was the largest recognized city in the region. And yet, the walls fell down. People were in shock. Literally, everyone was killed. But when the men came out of Ai against Joshua's army, they startled Joshua's army. Now, I, I can't tell, and you can't tell either, uh, if, uh, if they startled the army because God allowed them to it. I mean, you know, God's that kind of God. Uh, they, the children of Israel many times went to battle, and God ended up startling the army, and they'd kill themselves and all that before they ever got there. I don't know if it was God that did it, or if God just puts some supernatural strength. You see, sometimes God don't have to judge us. Sometimes God can just take His protective hand off of us, and when He takes His protective hand off of us. Man, here comes the enemy. Here they come. So people have in mind. God's going to judge. And God, well, and, and God is a God of justice and judgment. But sometimes God can just take his hand off. People ask me all the time, you think God's judging America? Not, not really. I don't think we're going through near enough for God to be judging us. I just think God's taking his hand off of us. And when he takes his hand off of us, People are coming into our country that's going to end up destroying our country from the inside out. And we're all going to be sitting in this building singing Amazing Grace, and the whole thing's going to be over. We're going to say, what happened? What happened? It's not that we were not protected. It's that we got out of the will of God. They're here praying. Who Who doesn't pray? But see, sin always brings defeat. Uh, and God's people, I want to tell you, God didn't, God didn't make his people to be defeated. We're conquerors. We're more than conquerors. It's not the will of God that we be defeated. If you're here tonight and you're defeated, I can tell you right now, you're not walking in the will of God. Because God wants you to be victorious. God's got a plan for your life. And it's not to wallow around and, and, and live in defeat. Uh, we're never to be defeated, always victorious. Uh, in fact, God says that a, a woman or a man, a young person that lives for God will be like a tree planted by the river. I mean, he's going to be standing firm. He's not going to be wishy-washy all that. He's going to prosper and win the victory through Jesus Christ. So sin brings defeat, and sin in the camp brings defeat. And that just begs a question here in our life. And I'm not asking for a show of hands because mine would have to go up first. But let me ask you, is, is there any sin in your life that's unconfessed? Uh, are you being defeated? Has the devil got the upper hand on you and you're not being as victorious as God wants you to be? Is this church not winning the battles that God wants us to win? Because they're somewhere in this church Uh, Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sin uh, shall not prosper. And that's what Achan did. He went in and he covered his sin. He took the gold, the silver, and that garment, covered it up. Not going to prosper. But if you're not being victorious, if you're not winning the victory, if you're experiencing defeat, somehow, somewhere, now don't sit here and argue with me, I'm not arguing the point tonight, but I'm just saying if you're living in defeat, and you're living down in the dumps, I'm telling you, the first thing you need to check is the unconfessed sin in your life. Because what we're going to see from here is it's no use to pray at all if you've got sin in your life. It's not getting up any higher than the ceiling tile. That's it. So sin brings defeat, but also sin hinders prayer. That's the second point here. Joshua was bewildered. He can't figure this out. God said, we're going to give you the promised land. He does everything he says he's going to do. The walls fall down. The men are killed there at uh, Jericho. Uh, the cattle, all that are killed and all. The gold is brought to the, uh, to the treasury of the Lord in the temple. And, and then all of this, a little old bunch of ragtag armies turns around and literally kills 36 of the Israelites and has all of them running for their life. God, what did you do that for? God, why did you do that? So Joshua goes in, rents his clothes, and, and uh, begins to tear his clothes, fell the earth. And uh, he prayed, the Bible says, all day long. And then he and the elders of Israel, they put dust on their head. Uh, boy, I mean, that, they, they're having a prayer meeting. It's a prayer meeting in a half. They could probably called all the deacons and all the spiritual leaders, and they all began to pray, and they said, God, look how sincere we are. I mean, we've ripped up our clothes. We put dust on our head. And they began to throw dust, and God, what's wrong? You failed us, God. Why'd you let us down? If only you'd have been there, you'd have said, my, what a prayer meeting that was. But I won't tell you, God, not impressed with the prayer meeting. He goes in and says, Get up, Joshua. What are you doing laying down there? It's not time to pray. Your problem is not praying. Your problem is there's sin in the camp. Now, the psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, in Psalm 66, verse 18, the Lord will not hear me. And I say with me, some of us think we're above what the Lord tells everybody else. You say, well, but I'm a different kind of servant. I don't care what you are. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, the Bible says the Lord will not hear you. Now, is is there anything in there that you don't understand? I want you to understand this tonight. If you've got sin in your life, the Lord will not hear you, period. Yeah, but I pray in the morning and I pray. I don't care how many times you pray. God's not impressed Prayer is not a substitute for repentance. God requires repentance, and prayer is not a substitute for it. Well, it's almost like in the politics that they're using prayer as a filibuster. Let's try to move this thing on and try to figure out what God wants to do. Uh, There's a lot in the Bible about promises to answer prayer. But I want to tell you, there's a lot of promises in the Bible that God says, I won't answer. I will not answer. And God says here, if you regard iniquity in your heart, I will not answer it. I'm not going to answer it. Now, in essence, what's going on here in chapter 7, I know y'all don't ever do this. But what in essence, what's going on is Joshua is blaming the Lord for the defeat up at Ai. That's what he's doing. Lord, why did you let this happen? Lord, it's your fault that all this happened. You got us out here. Would to God you would just left us on the other side of the Jordan. At least we wasn't being killed and mauled over there. So he's blaming God. And God turns around and says, Joshua, you don't know what's going on. There's sin in the camp. And, uh, and then, of course, you have to look at our time and our thing today. Uh, maybe there's something wrong in our life because there's something in the corner of our life that we've not confessed. And uh, you ever wonder why there's no revival today? Ever wonder why there's no power of God, no s- souls? I mean, you've got to beg people to come to the altar. Maybe because a lot of Christians are not living for God. And he's not going to bless them. I, I hear all the time, Lord, I, I know I'm supposed to be tithing. I know I'm supposed to be witnessing. I know I'm not reading your word. I know I had not been real obedient. But God, would you bless this servant anyhow? You know my heart. You ever pray like that? Remember, prayer is not a substitute for repentance. Third thing here, prayer uh, sin brings shameful defeat. Sin hinders prayer. But I want to tell you, according to what we hear in Joshua 7, and we'll hear more about it Sunday, but secret sin hurts those that we love. Maybe secret, he thought he got away. Nobody saw him. He went in there all the time thinking nobody saw me. No, I've always wanted a Babylonian garment. Gold, silver, nobody saw me, but God saw him. God saw him. Uh, I made a statement Sunday morning. Somebody said, do you really believe that? I really believe that. Grace, thank God, keeps, kept me from doing what I wanted to do. I mean, you can say that you never plan out sin if you want to, but as a young person, I guarantee you there are many times I planned out sin. And if it hadn't been for the grace of God, I'd have probably carried it out. Grace kept me from doing what I knew I shouldn't do. Mercy kept it off the front page of the Corrigan Times when I did what I was wrong. That's what mercy did. Nothing but the grace and mercy of God. I guarantee you. If you could dig up some of my teachers from the Junior Sunday School Department, you would not want to listen to anything I said. But I will tell you this: if you've got a little grandson as mean as a Dickens, he's going to make a good preacher. Amen. (laughs) Secret sin hurts those that we love. Chapter eleven, chapter verse eleven of chapter seven. God says, "Israel hath sinned." Now, 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 wait a minute. God, that's not what we understood. We understood Achan had sinned. Now you're telling us that Israel had sinned. All through this whole chapter, it talks about Achan's sin. And then at the end of the chapter, we find out that Achan had sinned. Yet God says, here, Israel has sinned. Does God hold some people accountable for others' sins? Ooh, that's a deep question. But it could very well be. The Bible says that God judged Eli because his sons were vile and he restrained them not. So, does God hold Woodland Hills Baptist Church accountable for the sins and the wickedness of this city? He certainly might. If we sit right here and let things I mean, you know, 53 million babies have been butchered in our country in the last years and uh you know, what, what do we do about it? We'll complain. We'll complain. But well, let me ask you this: How many people do you know in any church that has said, "I tell you what, to keep that baby from being butchered, I'll take him in my house"? See, that's going to put us out. We can't do that. Yeah. I hear people complain all the time. I never. There's never a week goes by that somebody doesn't say, don't you think that the school ought to be allowed to pray? In the, don't you think that's the reason America's in the shape it's in because we took God out of the school and we took God, uh, the prayer out of the school and all that? Don't you think that's why? And I always say, no, no. Let me ask you this. Are you praying with your kids at home? I mean, the audacity. Of somebody in a church that wants to rake a school uh, over the coals for not praying at school, and then they won't even pray in their own home. Good grief! See that all those things don't add up. And but we think, hey, I'm a servant of the Lord. I know I've done some wrong things, but Lord bless me anyway. Perhaps if we're not witnessing like we ought to witness, perhaps if we're not praying. Perhaps if we're not taking the responsibility, God could very well hold uh, the church responsible for the way our country is right now. It could very well be. I mean, you, you definitely know that in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, God doesn't say if the lost people would get right. God doesn't say if the perverts would get right. God said, it's my church. It's my church. See, if this church would get right, then there'd be people out here in the world that would get right because you're right and I'm right. Now, there's a power uh, of secret sin. And if you're living with secret sin in your life, what you're doing is you're cursing your family. You're, You're cursing your church. You're cursing your nation. Sin hurts those that 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 they love. I mean, here we are, with some hypocrite out here living for the world, all mixed up in the world, profanity, filthy mind. But I'm a part of Woodland Hills Baptist Church. Well, I, I you know, if you're gonna live like that in the world, I use well to go on and join some other church. Join one is, you know, we don't have to answer to. Because I want to tell you, a testimony like that is what's hurting the kingdom of God. Mahatma Mahatma Gandhi, Mahatma, Hatma, whatever, Gandhi. She was asked, why wouldn't she become a Christian? And, uh, he was. And he said, I'll not become a Christian because of Christians. Now, that don't always float. I'm not saying it does. But in many times... People have seen us lose our temper, say things we didn't have no business saying, laugh at all the same jokes everybody else is laughing at. And then we have a revival and we invite somebody to come revival and they say, well, man, I mean, I, it's been a while, but I've had people walk in this church and say, this guy goes to church? I work with him. I said, please tell me it was a long time ago. And that he got saved and changed. Because Jesus does change lives. The progress of sin is also noted here. This man gets into secret sin. And then it continues. Uh, they, they have a process of elimination. And I'm not telling you. I know everything of how it works. This elimination here is by lot. By drawing lots. But sure enough, it works. I guess if God's in control of who's drawing what, he can get you to draw the right uh, straw. I don't know. I don't. But anyway, Achan, the next day, the night before, Joshua says, go on to bed. We're going to get all the tribes together tomorrow, and there's going to be a revealing. We're going to find out who's in sin. Why would God do that? Why, why wouldn't he just say, look, it's him. Strike him down now. I think that's another mercy and grace of God. Give him one more night. I mean, I think maybe if old Achan would have woke up in the middle of the night and run over to Joshua's tent and said, oh my, it's me. Look what I've done. I'm so sorry. I repent of it. Here it is. I am sorry. You say, you think God would have done that? Well, he put First John 1, 9 in there that if we're faithful And if we ask forgiveness of our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, yeah, I really think if he'd have repented, the problem was that Achan never repented until he was standing in front of Joshua and Joshua had pronounced, It's you, Achan. And Achan says, Yes, it's me. You see, Achan's like a lot of people we got today. They're not sorry for their sin. They're sorry they got caught for their sin. And there's a big difference in that. There's a four steps to disaster that's here, too. This is, we're just looking at them. The first step is, I saw. The second step is, I desired, or I coveted. The third step is, I took. And the fourth step is, I hid. I preached a sermon. I didn't even include the... the uh, uh, the the hitting, hiding part but the sermon had three points that said uh, he looked, he took and he cooked. Looked, took and cooked. And uh, that was even before the hiding of it there. But he did also hide. I saw, that's why we need to watch our eyes. You say preacher, I can't be responsible for what people walk in front. No, but you can be responsible for how long you look at them. See, it's not a glimpse of looking that's doing it. I mean, you know, I've seen some that that wasn't even pretty. They were so ugly you looked twice to to make sure you saw what you saw. Uh, But uh, it's not. It's it's the amount of time you're looking. You're looking. See, Joshua had already warned him, don't even look at the thing. Don't even look at the accursed stuff. Don't pay any attention to it. Because the moment you look, you're going to covet it. So I saw, if you look at something that God says you're not to touch and not to have, you look at that thing long enough, and you're going to be just like Eve in the Garden of Eden. The devil's going to say, now, you know, that won't hurt. Second thing, though, is after you look, you're going to desire. You're going to covet because you want that thing. I don't care how holy you are, how spiritual you are, how many hours a day you pray. How many verses of scripture you know? You look at something that's long enough and you're going to desire it. You can go back through the Bible and look at different instances. You can look at uh, David with Bathsheba. Uh, I mean, you know, different ones. And that's an unclean desire, an unholy desire. And we ought to be praying the moment it comes in, God take it off. I hope Lee don't get mad at me. Lee uh, Hopkins. <clears throat> he, uh, he missed church Sunday, Sunday morning. Lee and, and uh, his, uh, he let his butane run out, and he didn't have any hot water. He said, well, I can't go to church looking and smelling like I look now. So he thought, I'm already late. I'm just going to take the day, do some things I need to do. He said, uh, I drove down to Lowe's about 1030, about the time church was starting. He said, Preacher, there were cars all over that parking lot. There's people all over town at 1030 on Sunday morning. He said, but I stepped out of that truck to go in Lowe's to get something to work on my house. And he said, man, it just hit me. This ain't right. This ain't right. I said, Lee, praise God. That's who we call the Holy Spirit. I mean, when we're about to do something wrong, and the Holy Spirit is saying, Mm-mm, "That's not right. It's not right, man. That's that's a, that's one of the proofs that you're really saved, that you're filled with the Spirit." You know. So, if you if you're looking at something, you're desiring something, and you know it's not right because the Holy Spirit's telling you it's not right, then I want to tell you you need to get rid of it right then. And then thirdly, he said, "I took it. Uh, that's no big trick. He just took it." Did did you? Uh, I I was thinking about this as I was putting this together this afternoon. Anything the devil's got, he'll let you have. That's never really dawned on me before. But if you want something the devil's got, he'll be glad to give it to you. Now it's going to end up ruining you, but he'll be glad to give it to you. He'll give you anything he's got. So he took it. Uh, and, and I want tell you, it don't take much to get a man or a woman to take it. And then fourthly, he said, I hid it. It's bad enough to take it, but it was even worse to sin to hide it. Uh, they buried the stuff in his tent, they dug it up. Let, let me close with this the, the punishment of the secret sin, the power of it, the progress of it, but the punishment of it. Joshua said in verse 25, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones, burned him with fire. Can you imagine, I don't know if this happened, but can you imagine when God showed him that, that whoever stole this was from the tribe of Judah? So there's a 12 tribes. So he's telling those other tribes, boys, y'all go get your torches ready and get them lit and get you some good big rocks now because we're going to stone somebody today. And so now he comes and they admit it and he literally, all Israel stoned him with stones, burned them with fire. After they had stoned him with stones, they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. You may suffer without sinning, but you're not going to sin and not suffer. Not going to do it. The Bible teaches that God will punish sin. He judged this man. He judged him severely. And I want to tell you, (laughs) people can laugh about the judgment of God. They can laugh whether or not there's demons or not. You can make all the fun of that, mock all that you want to. But I want to tell you, we're not fighting against flesh in this battle that we're in right now. We're fighting against, uh, literally, principalities and spirits and... uh, the only great thing we've got to say hallelujah about is there's more of us than there are of them. But they're always at work. Let's uh let, let me just ask you to imagine something with me. I, I don't know, but uh just imagine that if Achan would have after he'd buried that, he would have come back and told Joshua, look, I've I've sinned, it's me, it's it's me, and shook with conviction, he said, I know I've done what's wrong, God's going to judge me, God's going to judge Israel if I don't make this thing right, so he gets up, throws a mattress back, digs up the gold and silver and garment, takes them to the tent of Joshua, it's midnight, but he's got to have the help of the leader, he said, Joshua, I've sinned, I've done a terrible thing, And Joshua said, Achan, what have you done? And he said, I stole this treasure that belonged to God. I've accursed myself. I've accursed the house of Israel. And and Joshua said, I tell you what, let's do. Let's build an altar right here. Let's slay a lamb. I've got to have the blood. I've got to be clean. What a difference life would be. What a difference. (laughs) Same thing happens with us you keep that unconfessed sin inside, it literally destroys you and your family and becomes a hindrance. But there's no reason for it because Christ has already died on the cross for our sin. So we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You say, yeah, but preacher, uh, I- I'm going to sin again. What I do then? You do the same thing. You do the same thing. I, I don't know about you, but I sometimes wonder in my soul if the Lord doesn't get tired of hearing me come to him all the time, saying, God, I messed this up, and I'm sorry. I, I don't know. He never has told me that. Every time I've ever come to him and said, Lord, I'm, I'm wrong. I've done this wrong. I'm asking you, Lord. I'm repenting of it. I ask you forgive me. There's always a peace that passeth all understanding. And then you're able to go back on your life. That's the kind of Christian that God is looking for, victorious. Let me also ask you to remember Brandy in your prayer list. You'll see that her sister is in ICU, but her sister passed away later this afternoon. That's 35 years old. Uh, So, uh, man, remember that family and all of those in that family there, okay? Father, thank you tonight for letting us Just fellowship together and sing and hear a word from you. God, I pray for every one of us in this building. Lord, right now, there are enough people here. If we truly get our heart right with you, we literally could change and turn this world upside down. God, help us not to make excuses. Father, help us to get on our face before you. And then, Lord, even sometimes when we get on our face, maybe you're saying, get up, repent, and then get down to pray. Show us what you want us to do. I ask you, Lord, to bless this Sunday as Michael O'Brien is here and the choir sings with him. The, the, the message, may souls be saved and people come to be a part of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.